Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are honored to welcome all the way down under uh, Lake Country Dockhounds manager Jim Bennett. Jim, thanks for joining us this week. Absolutely. Good to be on, guys. So, Jim, let's just start with the fact that you're down in Australia right now, so tell us a little bit about what you've got going on down there. So a couple things for me. I'm part of the Australian Baseball League here with the Brisbane Bandits. Um, I'm their pitching coach slash bench coach. Um, I've been doing that for a long time. So um, our season's underway. We've got a couple weeks in. Um, And then I'm also the pitching coach for the Australian national team. And uh, we've had some games against Japan. um, And there's a lot going on getting ready for the WBC. So a a lot going on with that. Now, Dan talked to us a little bit about because of the COVID and the Australian Baseball League being shut down for a couple of years that he felt that guys might be a little behind. How do you feel that uh, COVID has impacted Australian baseball, if at all? Well, it, it definitely impacted it. I mean, when you're talking about guys who have been stuck here for a couple of years, um, not being able to have the Australian Baseball League um, so uh, it, it's been tough as far as just facing um, some of the quality pitchers that they're used to facing. You know, we went to our national team went to Japan, and and uh, it was a good thing we did because we need to start getting things going and and uh, you know you, you see a little bit more velocity and, and see some better pitching. But I, I think through through this season here, um, guys guys will be ready to roll. They know what they know what they're facing. How have fans kind of returned back since the league is back underway there? Everybody enthusiastic back into baseball? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've been wanting this. So, and I mean, the fans, the players, just everybody, there's a lot of excitement now that it's it's back to its norm, uh, the excitement's here, and and it's it's been a good time so far. Well, one of the things I've always been kind of interested about down there, Jim, is uh, – the rivalries. Who's kind of like the heated rival of of the team that you're the pitching coach for? <laughs> oh gosh. Well, it's usually whatever team's been winning the most lately. That's that's who, who everybody wants. You know, um, you know the, the kind of the cool part about Australia is it really is a big deal about being where you're from. Um, they take a lot of pride in that. Um, I, I would say a lot more than. You know, somebody going to a different city in the States, I think, is a lot less of a big deal than uh, it would be here. So um, there, there's a lot of pride in where these guys come from. Uh, we, I would say, you know, we, we had won the Claxton Shields, which is their championship, four years in a row here in Brisbane. So uh, kind of we were the, we were the, we've been the wanted team from, from everybody. Um, you know, before that, it was the Perky. They were the ones that were winning all the time. And right now, the last um, couple of years, even though it hasn't really been the real ADL, just in what they were able to do, um, Melbourne has uh, put themselves on the map pretty good. So everybody's uh, kind of after them. So it it, it changes. But I, I would say um, Melbourne's definitely probably a team um, that is, you know, the the Brisbane Melbourne match is, is always a good one. Um, but yeah, it, I would say it's all all about who's on the top of the ladder. 
Do you have some guys on your club that American Association fans would be familiar with? Absolutely. Um, Carter Hope. Carter Hope is pitching for us from Lincoln. Um, Logan Trowbridge is here with us. And after Christmas, we'll get our, I'll get my own uh, Alex McRae out here. Nice. Yeah, and, and TJ, TJ Bennett's on the team, too. What about TJ? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, Logan Trowbridge announced he, he, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Jim. No, go ahead. No, I was just saying, TJ, this is his fourth, fifth year down here, so I wasn't thinking of TJ as, as somebody <laughs> new from the American Association. But yeah, Logan. We just, yeah, he retired, and so uh, he's kind of having his little farewell tour, I guess, in Australia. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I'll tell you what. I mean, he he's a guy that uh, I, I think there was a, at some point I saw him on revocable waiver this year, and you know whether that even meant anything or not. I was like, Ooh, I've I've always been a Logan fan. Logan had been trying to get down here in Australia. Gosh five, six years ago when he was in the Pecos League, and I've been wanting him, and, I, um, and it just had never worked out until now. But he, he just loves to win baseball games, um, which, is, which is fun to have a guy like that. So um, he's just trying to have his last hurrah, win a, win a championship, and uh, start his real life after baseball. Well, it sounds like you've had a lot of success. So, what are your thoughts about your club so far this year? I think we're, I, I think we're gonna. I think we're competitive. I think we'll be good. Um, you know, it's always new getting to know a lot of your players. Uh, you know, we get we get indie ball guys, we get affiliated guys, um, and it's getting to know um, who the affiliated guys are and and how that all plays in um, to the situation. So. Um, I, I like what I like what I see. I I think it's um, you know we've got a good core of Aussie boys on our team that uh, is very important, and um, I I, th- I think we'll we'll be all right. I think we're going to be good. Well, let's look a little bit uh, back a little bit on 2022 with us right now. So just all right. before diving into dip, deep parts of this, what, what were your thoughts on? the Dockhounds this past season and, and how they performed? Well, obviously, as far as performing on the field, I, I think um, anything other than saying, you know, it, it it was ultimately a disappointment because we didn't win. Um, you know, you go out and you play to win. Now, I, I can sit and talk about um, a lot of the other things that uh, um, being a first-year team, putting a stadium together, uh, all of anybody who's been through going through a first year, there's a lot um, and a lot of hard stuff. And even with the hard stuff, it's all good because you have to go through it. You, you have um, you, you learn a lot from it and, and you move forward. But um, just sticking to the on-field performance, that was a disappointment. Um, and ultimately, it came down to we we just didn't have pitching. We didn't not have enough pitching and. Um, obviously, that's going to be something that is going to be very important for us in the next year. Now, moving forward from that point, you made a big deal, a uh, big trade to bring in Angel Ventura. Uh, 
you know, he was really struggling in Sioux Falls. Ha- had some outstanding outings for you. What what did you see mm-hmm. in him that you thought, boy, he really could deliver here? Well, I just, I mean, Angel's been around. Been around. Um, he knows. He knows the gig. He, he's he's been a part of the, of it. Um, you know, I, I felt like, hey, if we we bring him into a different atmosphere, it's just something different. Um, and uh, I I felt like it worked. He's a guy. Anytime you have a starter that is going to go out and give you six seven innings every time they go out, that alone is a plus. That's huge. Um, and for the most part, that's what he was able to do. But uh, I think he enjoyed himself there and. You know, it, we knew that we, we at that point, there was really only one one guy that was what I would say uh, tradable that we knew we could get something from him, and that was Aaron. Um, we didn't like giving up Aaron, but um, pitching was just so important, A, just to get through the season, and, and to have a starter like Angel that can give us innings uh, was going to be very important. Coming off no, I believe of 2019, you were one game away from the American Association Finals, and then having last year happen, what kind of adjustment was it for you? And at what point, with the format of the playoffs, for most of the year you're on the outside looking in, but you really, because four teams made it out of your division, Mm-hmm. You were still within striking mm-hmm. range. Did you find it hard to say, okay, we can still make a run, or or more realistic, okay, let me see what I've got to build on for next year? What was the thought process as the, uh, the season progressed? I think it's a little bit of both of what you're saying. Um, anytime there's a chance to get in something, I mean, you play to win the game. Um, so um, it did get to a point where, I didn't believe that our that we were going to have enough bullpen um, to 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 be able to get to the playoffs um, because you know we had we had some starting pitching and um, it was really the bullpen. Um, without a bullpen, it, it's tough to win games. It's just tough when you're playing every single day um, and you're using up a lot of arms. But um, it, I, I think there did come a point. Um, later on, it, that it was like you know what, uh, there's certain guys we want to just like go out and, and and go out there every day because we really do like them, and it felt like the experience would be a, a huge positive. So um, it, it's a little bit of both what you said. You know, looking towards next year, and you know, I want the players to have the mentality that they just go out and play to win. Um, and uh, and those are ultimately the kind of guys that I'm looking for on the team. That um, in today's world, it's tough to think about winning first over yourself, and that I don't even blame the players for that. That's the way um, you know the the people at the very top of all of baseball is. <laughs> that's kind of what they've created, and so um, you know I'm just looking for those those guys with the the mentality that it's it. Um, winning is fun. Let's go out and win, and then. My goal as a manager is that you don't see much of a difference in me whether I'm winning or losing. I think it's important that um, that not that I'm accepting losing, but it does not change who we are and how we go about our business. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Jim, th- this was your first season of, of actually building an entire club on your own. So wh- what was that experience like mm-hmm. for you? 
it's a it's a learning experience. I mean, there there's so many things that you'd like to believe that you do know, but um, you know, it's kind of like when you're a dad and you tell somebody who's not a dad, you don't know what you don't know, or you never <laughs> they haven't been married, they haven't gone through something. I feel like there's definitely some things you don't know what you don't know until you go through it. Um, as much as I'd like to say I know everything, uh, I know that I don't, and um, I, it was a huge learning experience for me just to, you know, how it all, how it all plays out and, and what, what your thought process is and does that really work or, you know, there's so, there's so many things, um, that, that come into play. So, um, it, I, I know between Tom and myself, uh, with Trish, uh, we're, we're pretty excited about going into next year. How do you evaluate the way that you built the team for this season, and then does that you adjust that for next year? Or like, like what, what did you? What was your thought process on entering the season, and do you see that kind of changing to this year? Um, I, I think I'm going to have a little bit more focus on the type of pitcher, pitching that I bring in, just from the standpoint of the guys that I believe, the types of pitchers that I believe will have the most success in our league um it, it it's it's a it's a tough one because you sometimes with with the pitching you know somebody will have have some success at the higher levels and then they come in here and they don't and then some do and you know and it's really all over the board and it's really trying to figure out why is this guy uh, effective at our league what is it that he brings to the table and you know what are the common the denominators with the pitching that uh, have success. Now you were talking a little bit about, um, you know, kind of get, now that you've had a little of feel of being there for a year and, and how that might have adjusted your your approach to this season. I'm, I'm curious now that you've learned the ballpark. Uh, what what did you find about how it plays there now, and what does that do do in terms of helping you to build players, get players? Well, well, ultimately, I mean, when it comes to getting players, you're, you're looking for good players. You're looking for the best. So um, as much as, you know, the park can come into play wherever you're at, um, you know, you play half your games at, at other people's um, fields. So um, you don't want to overdo it with with the park, but there are definitely some things, you know, I mean, I, I think anytime you could find a perfect example is, is for me is a Carter Hope that we have here in Brisbane. You know, he gets a lot of balls hit on the ground. Um, so being a ground ball type guy, you know, it, it, if you can find that in a perfect world, that that would be great. You know, with especially with what we've got knowing uh, with Noriega um, in the infield that we have. I mean, you, you can build some some uh, some pretty good pitching is with with the guys that we have on defense on the infields. I have to tell you, one of the most exciting things I saw this season was Duncan Snyder goes out and throws just a complete gem for you, and then then is is signed it like the next day or something. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that whole process went down for the team? Oh. oh, I think we lost him. Or maybe they didn't want to talk about that. 
Hopefully I'll be back here in a minute. Well, that was kind of weird. Yeah, no doubt. Well, he is calling from Australia, so maybe we're uh, we're just caught in a uh, a phone glitch of some kind. So I'm sure he'll be back with us. Let's hope so. That was a short short show, if it was. And let me see if he's got a. There we go. There we go. There we go, Jim. We got you back. There we go. Awesome. Yes, I'm all back. All back. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Talking let's pick up that. So, yes, please. Yes. Okay. So my. Yes, so yeah, did I you mean, hear the whole question? You, you were you were asking about Duncan and the start that he had and how it all came. Yes. Out. Yes. So fast. Yes. Yeah, okay. I yeah. Uh, I I felt from day one that Duncan was a, a kid that was going to get an opportunity. You know whether he did or not. Um, seeing the stuff that he had. Um, knowing that he was a young kid right out of a small college, um, might have got passed up for whatever reasons. He only got 20 rounds in the draft and all that. Um, I I saw Duncan being a guy who was going to be signed one way or the other. Now, you go and do what he did. It, it's hard to hide that one. <laughs> that was going to happen quick. Uh, I mean, I, I was on the phone with some people early on, saying you got to take a look at this guy because ultimately for me it's about these guys getting the opportunity that they're looking for. Uh, I was surprised that some guys hadn't picked him up earlier, but then um, after that game, you know, there were a few teams that um, I, I was, my phone was getting getting some hits after that game. But, um, you know, he I, I was so happy for Duncan when I was able to um, give him a call when he got home that night after the game it was like this is happening now <laughs> this is happening so um he it was well deserved he's got he's got some pretty pretty uh high level stuff as far as as what his abilities could where they could go so it's just an exciting thing for Duncan for that to happen when he goes out for that outing I, I, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people, like you said, didn't really know about him because he had played for the Apollos mm-hmm. a little bit the season before, and mm-hmm. so they were kind of struggling a little bit. So um, mm-hmm. what, did you feel like there were scouts who had been kind of taking a look at him, or, or that was out of the clear blue? They were like, man, great start. We're taking this guy. Um, you know what? I mean, who, who he ended up signing with, I didn't have any connection there, so I don't know how much they were following him. Um but I, like I said, I had been talking to, to some teams, and you, you got a guy that might want to look at this guy. I mean, if, if anybody deserves an opportunity, this is a guy you might want to see. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody was at the game. You know, there's so many. You know, there's so much you can see from not being at the game in today's world that uh, you don't even have to be there to get the. Um, get the things you want to hear. You know, I, I don't think enough people talk about what it's like to manage your own child. So, uh, so I'm just kind of curious, what is that like for you personally? <laughs> um, you know what, I mean, for me personally, it, it's been a lot easier than I think people would think. You know, I, I managed him when he was, during my off seasons when I was in affiliated ball, during the off season, and he's kind of always played for me. Uh, I do think that we we've got a really good relationship, and you know he's a man; he's not a child anymore. So there's that fine line of 
uh, you know, he, that's not your little boy out there. That's that's a man. He he has you know he knows what he's doing, and um, I respect him as much as I hope. I'm pretty confident he respects me, and it's it's mutual. And I just there's never been anything that I sit there and go, oh no, he's going to be on my team, and I'm going to have to deal with this because that, that could be a real thing. I think for a parent, you know, that has. Um, I just, I'm very confident in, in who he is as a man, and he's never going to do something that I have to worry about as a manager, which is huge from the, the parenting side. And from the playing side, it, it truly is no different than uh, another player. He's a player, and um, I, I think it's it's pretty easy to, to uh, just see him as one of the guys out there. I imagine it's a lot easier, too, that nobody crying nepotism when he's putting up the numbers that he has, too, where he's not in the lineup because he's Jim Benetton. He's in the lineup because he's a heck of a ball player. Sure, sure. And I'm, I'm sure that if that were the case going into something where he didn't either, A, have the history or the experience, um, that could be a whole different situation that that maybe I would look at different. But, you know, from when I had him at Fargo to all the years down here, um, he's he's got the history of, of being who he is and um, as, as a player and the numbers he's been able to put up. So as far as that, that absolutely um, made things easier for me to, you know, because if, if he was a rookie and he started out the season 0 for 20, what's that look like you know uh, he's never played at this level so there could there could have been um, things that would be different if the situation were different but uh, I never had to worry about that so (laughs) um, that makes things a lot easier absolutely does it help to have him around where he can serve as a liaison between the players and you that if they are a little uneasy or wanted to talk to you about something that you talked to him first and he gives some advice on how to do the problem. You know, yeah. And, and I think that if anything, he'd probably be the better one to have the conversation with because those are the things that, you know, if, if somebody new on the team it comes in and they, Oh, that's his son. And well, do we go to him? I need this or, um, so uh, I I couldn't tell you everything as far as from his side of things, um, and I'm sure there is a, a little bit of that that side of things where if somebody feels like they might not want to bring something up to me, well, let's bring it up to TJ and see if TJ will bring it up to me type thing. Um, and I think that's I think there's some normal to that because he is my son, um, but you know he. We we went into this season because we usually chat a little bit like, hey, here's the deal, here's our situation, you know. We as far as uh, my expectations, hey TJ, I don't expect you to be that middle guy. I don't expect because I don't want to put that on a player. I don't want to put that on anybody. Um, but but things like that could happen sometimes. Um, it just it, it just depends, you know. I there's other guys like. Uh, you got an Alex McCray on your team, a guy that he would he would be a guy that you know people might go to him and ask him because he's got big league time. So um, you know it's not it's not something that I ever felt became 
an issue one way or the other that, that I had to, that would ever have to say something to the team about anything or bring something up like, hey, I get it, he's my son, but he's not, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, so I, I think that we were both probably real fortunate, number one, because of our relationship together, and um, number two, just the way all the situations worked out in the long run, nothing really ever became an issue. Now, I'd like to ask you, Jim, apart from wins and losses, you know, I think sometimes people, fans get kind of caught up in how many wins does a team have. And you said this is a brand-new team mm-hmm. learning in a brand-new ballpark. Mm-hmm. You know, you're taking over a club for the very first time and trying to learn where they're going to go. How do you judge mm-hmm. the success of this team beyond wins and losses? I would, I would judge it by how the guys are going out to play every day, the effort that they're giving, um, if, if guys are, are keeping their head in the game, uh, you know, with with the team with the record that we have, I was actually very impressed um, that the guys went out to play every day uh, because uh, a losing team, especially, I mean, we lost a lot of games, and a clubhouse can get really ugly in a situation like that, and it really never did, which which is very encouraging. It says a lot about the players. Um, so I... I judge it on the way the guys go about their business. If they're trying to get better, if, if they still have the mentality of we're going out to win today, um, which can be hard to do when you're losing seven and eight games in a row at times. So um, I, I look at, at that. It, I look a lot. Uh, I, I look a lot of uh, as far as you know how they go about their business. Are they are they professionals? Do they care? And the the positive to that is the answer was yeah the guys wanted to go out and play every day and the clubhouse stayed it it was a good clubhouse and that's not easy to do in a in a losing situation. One of the things I really liked about this team, you guys were in a lot of games. It looked like it was just the bullpen did not hold up for you. I think as well as you were you were hoping for this season. So what do you do to try to address that uh, kind of moving forward at this point? Yeah, I mean, what we're doing right now, you know, um, just trying to make sure that we have as many connections as possible to the right guys that we think are going to be the best fit. And that bullpen is going to be a, a big priority. Now saying that, that's not easy as easy as it sounds. You know, they're, I, I don't want to – there is there's always going to be some luck involved um, in this league because guys can get signed, guys can get hurt. You don't have a minor league system below you. Um, there's always – you know, I mean, for us to get Harold, Nick Harold that we got um, that ended up starting for us towards the end of the season, I mean, how, how are you supposed to know that you got a stud uh, starter um, with a guy that you barely knew. Um, you knew him enough to go, hey, he's got good stuff, but he's a young kid. How is he going to mentally, I mean, how is he going to mentally handle it when he has that outing where he doesn't get out of the first inning? And, um, so there's so many unknowns. And, you know, and I bring up a Nick Carroll that he was, was like, wow, we got a guy that he's had one bad game and it didn't, that game, I was like, okay, let's see how he bounces back and, it didn't bother him at all, you know. Um, so 
in one sense, it's hard, and you just keep you just keep uh, looking at the wire. You keep making your contact, so you're always prepared. But uh, you don't always know what you're going to get until they go through the experience of the American Association. Do you find yourself over in Australia scouting out guys on other teams and thinking, "Hey, you know that?" Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> One hundred percent. I think I think I'd be crazy not to. I mean, you look. You're always looking for guys. You're looking for players. So um, definitely, always got my eye out because I mean, if a guy's over here, somebody wanted him. They knew something about him. You, you know, you don't just bring anybody over here to Australia. Here, this league is a play-to-win league. Um, the Claxton Shield is the World Series for these guys. So um, always, always looking for guys. Well, um, whether I'm here or playing on the national, doing something with the national team, if I see a guy has availability and he's not with an organization and, and I like him, you better believe it. Absolutely, I'm looking. You know, I didn't I mention you one... the other guy that is here, <laughs> Daikenyo. He's here with us too, with the Bandits. Nice. Now, I have to tell you, Jim, one of my highlights of this past season was when you showed me around the brand new ballpark. I, I've never had a manager say, "Hey, let me show you around." I thought that was pretty awesome. So, so for well, fans good, out man. there, what Absolutely. was that experience like for you? What was that experience like playing in the new ballpark? Oh, it was great. I mean, what the fans were excited out there, and that that was fun to be able to see the fans and um, just, I mean, they came out game after game. Um, obviously, there's an excitement with a new team, but. I've got a really good feeling about this city that this is a bunch of people that want, that want baseball and they're excited for it. So it was a great experience. Um, being out on the field, you, you get a little different experience when you're, when you're looking at the stand, the stadium from the field and just watching that when I'm out there coaching third base, you go, you know what, this is a pretty good, this is pretty cool what they got going here. So, they did a really good job as far as um, just building it for the fans, and and uh, those fans definitely came. They showed up. Uh, do you feel like you know looking at that fan base that they bet they came out there game after game, even though the team was struggling a little bit out there? What do you see as the prospect of that heading forward? Is this going to be one of the top teams in terms of attendance? Are you thinking? I, I've got to believe so. I, um, I mean, from what I see, I go absolutely. I I, I don't see why not. And I I know uh, knowing what I know, what Trish has done, um, just as, as far as his tickets and all of that, she she does an amazing job with that. Um, and then I just think it's we've got the right people, the right place, and the right fans. And I, I truly believe that they're going to keep showing up and. More and more people are going to uh, find out about the Lake Country Dockhounds, and then I think it's going to come down to me to make sure that we we put a winning product on the field. I, I got to say, Jim, I think it'd be really fun if Kevin and I got to sit and watch one of those a game down in one of those boat like things down the right field line. Now, th- those seats look pretty the comfortable. Pontoons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't. I, I was near a pontoon. I, I got kicked out of one game, so I got to hang out over there towards the end of a the game uh, once. But uh, 
I, I don't even think I've sat in those. I'll, I didn't sit in them. I'll make sure when we have spring training or something next year, I'll go hang out and see how comfortable they are. But uh, those, those are pretty. That's pretty cool over there. That that is a very unique design. Uh, you know, the the whole feel of that stadium is 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 very interesting. And you know, how how did you feel about all the stuff that was going on around the stadium and the way they were entertaining fans and trying to get people involved in the action? You know, I like I said, I thought it was amazing. The, truly, um, some of the only times that I get the opportunity to even see that is when I'm out there coaching third base. Uh, you know, and, and obviously we've got our thing going on with the game, but, uh, you know, you you do get to see a little bit of what's going on, and it, they just seem like they did a great job keeping the fans involved And because there's a reality to, yes, it's, it's baseball, but, um, you know, it's also entertainment for people who aren't even into baseball. Um, me being a baseball guy, I wish everything was all – I wish the whole world revolved around baseball, but uh, – the the truth of the matter is people can come out to a game and and enjoy the other things um, just as much as a baseball game and I think that uh, they did a good job keeping the fans entertained. What I found interesting in my trip out there was that it seems like the field itself is in daylight a lot longer than you would expect in a night game. That there's just not a lot of areas where the sun is blocking or the sun is being blocked from the field of play. So it seems like you almost are mm-hmm. going all the way right to sunset with the field um, completely in daylight. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, the sun the sun definitely will be a, a factor at our field. Uh, you know, once again, there hasn't, there's never been a stadium standing up there that we actually got to see what the results of of, you know, what the sun are, you can kind of say, okay, the sun's going to go down over here, it should be okay, whatever, but until it really happens, um, you know, there's there's some balls towards the end of the season, um, ground balls from, from third base that uh, are tough for the first baseman to see, and, you know, there's, those things do come into play, and hopefully for us, we'll, we'll find a way to make that a home field advantage, just like any other you know, anything that happens at any field, we should be good at, at what we know. So uh, definitely a lot of sun during those games for a long time. A great experience for your players last season. It looked like they were really enjoying playing there. So I would think, you know, how great that stadium is and the whole area looks fantastic. Really easy to sell coming to play for Lake Country next year. Yeah, and, and you know, and I, I haven't even talked about the just the city alone. I mean, what, a, what it's a great city. I mean, uh, a great place. Uh, and everybody that's come there, even you know, some of the the guys on the way teams goes, I love this city. You know, um, so so when you hear things like that, and you hear the reactions from the the players. You know, not only is it a good city, but the 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 host family situation that we have in Lake Country just blew me away. It absolutely blew me away with, um, you know, some of the, these people <laughs> um, having the host families. I was like, hey, you guys, you, you're, you're going to be into a pretty good situation. You're going to be all right, you know. <laughs> um, so uh, there's, there's so many of those positives that, that are important because that's where the guys stay at night every night. Um, 
So, yeah, there, there's a lot of positives, a lot of positives. Now, I got to tell you, I was a little disappointed. I, I thought it would be pretty cool, uh, Jim, you being like the, the skipper of the team, if you wore a captain's hat during the game. I, I thought that'd be kind of a good <laughs> idea. Any I, any thoughts that might happen? Or? You know what? I I, I, I got to tell you, I never really that never really crossed my mind. But, um, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll chew on that and then, okay, I just chewed on it. I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, I appreciate I appreciate the advice, though. So. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get one of my coaches to do it, but um, that probably wouldn't happen either. I, I appreciated the amount of time that you thought it over at least. That you you at least pondered it for a moment before you were doing it. <laughs> oh shoot! Well, tell us your thoughts about twenty twenty three. What 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 are we gonna? What do you kind of have going on here in the off season, and and what are your expectations for the club next year? Well, for I mean, first of all, what do we have going on between Tom and myself? You know, we're uh, um, we're looking at players. We're finding out who's out there, who's who's available, uh, who we could bring in and to be a part of the organization. Uh, my expectations are to win, and I I don't know any other way to look at it other than I'm going to win a championship. I, I truly don't. So th- those are my expectations. You know, somebody might s- say you're crazy. You're not going to win the championship going into the second year after that first year. Uh, you know, I'm not to be a Boston Red Sox, but I say, why not us? You, why, why not? Um, go out and get the right players. Um, you have the right makeup and you have the right atmosphere of the field. Uh, I, I don't see any reason why not that we can't be a team that can go out and win a championship next expectations well, well Jim Thanksgiving coming up here you know and that for Kevin and I we love food so uh, I'm kind of curious down there in Australia what, what what what's the what's the thing that you're down there enjoying in Australia this time well what do you go out and enjoy eating oh, there? man you know it really isn't that different for me I've been coming here seven years now um, you know I'm I'm looking out my window in the hotel room where I live and you know, I I walk walk a couple blocks. And their their coffee here, they you know, uh, they make fun of our coffee. So they coffee is a big deal in Australia. Um, I do enjoy my coffee places where I go to sit down and, and have some coffee. But other than that, I, I literally there's a place, um, little Mexican food. It's kind of it's kind of a Chipotle type place. Um, that, that, that target my Mexican food. You know, um, they got KFC out here. They got they got so many things that we have. Um, if there is one thing, for some reason, every time I come here, I always get my eggs Benny, my eggs Benedict um, for breakfast. Um, but you know, they're, they've got good seafood here. They've got what they. I don't even know if it's. Um, they're called kebabs. Um, you know, like you either get your chicken or your pork or your beef, and you and you make a a wrap out of it. That's kind of those are all over the place out here. But um, you know, I just try to stay on the left side of the road when I drive, and and everything will be okay. <laughs> Did I take a little getting used to in the first year? Uh, it can take a little bit of, of getting used to. It's the roundabouts out here that that just feel really weird, you know, going left into a roundabout. That 
that's mm. the one that it's um, always, you know, and the fact that you got to look look right when you're turning right that the car may come in and get you on the other side. Just, you know, those little things. That's kind of the thing I always tell people. I'm like, just look to the right, look to the right. <laughs> Something's coming from the right, you know. Um, so, but, yeah, it, it doesn't take too long, but it's definitely something you always got to keep your eye on when you're walking out the middle of the road or stepping off the sidewalk to make sure that um, cars are going in the right direction. Well, that is fantastic. Jim, we wanted to say we appreciate you coming on the show, but, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a, a second timer here, so you know that you get to give us a final thought. So whatever you'd like to talk about, the floor is yours. Well, my final thought is uh, the, it's going to be a two-parter. The first one, I just want to make sure and say, hey, thanks to you guys for even um, wanting me on here and, and have a chat with me. So I appreciate you guys thinking about me to get me on here. Um, and my second final thought is, um, without being talky about it, I, I say I think Lake Country is, is going to be a, a place that people are going to be talking about next year. How about that? I'm liking that. Jim, thanks yeah, for joining us this week. <laughs> All right. Hey, I appreciate you guys, man. Well, Kevin, great having Jim Bennett on again, and it uh, looks like things are looking bright there for the Lake Country Dockhounds. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do in a second year. And, as, you know, just as we were talking about off the air, you know, we've seen it in this league where Milwaukee struggled in their inaugural season. The Chicago Dogs um, stumbled out of the gate uh, recently as 2021. The Kane County Cougars were uh, only a so-so ball club. So I just hope that people in Oconomowoc, um stick with the ball club and be patient, and we'll see what um, – We'll see what kind of a club that Jim Bennett can build for the city. Yeah, you know, great man at the helm. Um, looks like a guy who really understands what he's looking for. And, and you know, I think that sometimes, Kevin, that's that's what's uh, missed is that a manager isn't just a guy going out and finding players, but you got to get the right fit for your team and what you want to accomplish. And Jim looks like he's the right guy to be getting this team heading in the right direction. It, just as we've heard from other teams, too, it, not only do you have to manage a team, you have to also create a culture within the team, and that also takes a little bit of work. Absolutely, and it looks like he's got I, – I, I thought a point he made, speaking of that specific point, Kevin, that was um, very important was this club continued to play hard. You know, they had a couple of 10-game losing streaks where they could have just been like, okay, you know, we're tanking it in right now. We're, we're done for the season. But, man, they played it hard, and they looked like they were still having fun, and I think that's a credit to their manager, keeping them motivated that way. And they, they had their peaks, too. You know, they, I believe, didn't they, did they not sweep Milwaukee in the series in Oconomowoc? And I think they I made, like, right. in County on occasion in, in Oconomowoc, too. So there were also flashes. It wasn't all doom and gloom during the season. So. That's something that I think you just have to try to build on. Talking about their season in particular, Kevin, clearly the the struggles for the Dockhounds with that bullpen. Uh, the, you know, they had a lot of opportunities to win some games. This could have been a 38, 39, maybe even 40 win team, but, you know, that, that bullpen did not hold up well. Carlos Diaz came in late in the season, did okay. 
Um, but you know, I'm, I'm gathering that's going to be, as Jim Bennett said, a, a huge priority for this year. It has to be, and uh, not just the bullpen too, but the starting staff was there. Just was not a lot of arms going well for them this season. So, you know, the bats had their stretches where they were putting up a lot of runs, but you know, as we talked about, it gets a little frustrating for the batters when they go into the game knowing they're going to have to get eight, maybe nine runs in order for the ball club to win. We got to see a couple of guys that I was pretty excited about this year. This Jake Snyder who played outfield for them, 303 batting average, 17 stolen bases in 83 games. I think this young man could really be um, a, a, an exciting player. And then uh, Dekau Yu, I think is the way that that's said. My apologies if I'm saying that wrong. I thought he was he was a lot of fun watching this season. I, I, you know, I think there's some pieces here that this could be a lot of fun as a team to watch next year. I think there are uh, core players that they can build around, and you know, like we just like we seem to keep repeating. I think you got to build around it with some pitching, and then I think you go from there and see what you got. Okay, but let's talk a little bit about transactions going on around the league. And, and I think the biggest one that popped out at me was Miles Smith, uh, officially released by the Milwaukee Milkmen. Miles, uh, American Association Pitcher of the Year a couple of years ago, chosen by the league. Struggled about halfway through the season last year. Looked like he was kind of, the arm was just tired and worn out. And um, you got to figure he's still going to get a chance somewhere. And it could even be in Milwaukee, too. You know, I'll say it every week until we get past the first of the year. I just don't take a lot of credence into these transactions that happen in October, November, and December. So it could just be some basic book work. You could be right about that. Milwaukee does go out and sign a couple of guys, officially sign the contracts. This isn't just an operating extension or, or you know taking their rights or whatever. This is... You're offering a contract out there. Josh Agnew, the right-hander, uh, you know, signed in early November. I'm wondering how long this guy will be along, around because it always seems that a guy that Anthony Brown finds in November or December winds up getting signed by January or February by an affiliate club. You have to wonder that, too, because as a pitcher or a, even a, a position player, I guess it doesn't really matter. You have to think that your ultimate goal would be to go to spring training with an organization, so why would you already sign with the independent league team and and just limit yourself? So, you know, it could be a situation where Agnew could be signed by an affiliate team before he even steps foot in Milwaukee. That has been the way it's been going lately for the team. They also signed uh, catcher Dean Naveras. Sioux Falls signs infielder Jordan Barth and also left-handed pitcher Brett Barnett. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm expecting Mike Meyer to be a lot more aggressive. I, you know, he's a guy who likes to uh, um, ensure that he's signing the right kind of guy just because his commitment is, if you get signed by me, I'm going to give you a shot to make this team. You're coming to spring training, and then it's your job to get on the club. So he's very careful about signing guys. But I'm thinking this year he's got to be a little more aggressive because timing, you know, time may be running short if he doesn't come up with a winner this year. And I think when you look at the, the that part of South Dakota, there's a lot of colleges out there with college programs, and 
you have to imagine that Meyer is out there trying to find those guys that can fill those rookie spots and be productive. Um, guys that are being overlooked by by major league organizations that could be a could be impact players for the Canaries. And then that way you're saving cap space and veteran spots for guys that are known commodities. Also out there in transactions, Lincoln signs a left-handed pitcher, Abdallah Aris, and Chicago signs left-handed pitcher, Elijah Gill. Because, Kevin, they'll stay out there all they want, but you never have enough lefties, it seems like, uh, if you want to wind up winning championships. It was funny. I was watching a video today, and I don't know what people were guessing was a total, but only 18% of the U.S. population is left-handed. Oh, interesting. People would guess it was more like 30 or 40%, I think. I would have guessed that. I mean, 18%, that's, you know, that's pretty low. <laughs> so not a, lot, not, not a lot of not of lefties out there. But it seems like in baseball, there are always teams who want three or four out of, you know, 25% or 30% of their staff to be lefty. That's that's kind of an interesting dynamic. So. Well, when you're thinking of the U.S. population, that's still a lot of people that are left-handed. Yeah, yeah, so that's very true. It's 18% of how many million. Well, Kevin, let's talk about the big news, though, around the American Association, also in the Frontier League, but we'll focus on the American Association in particular, is pitching clocks next season. Uh, determining how long a, a pitcher has from the moment that they retrieve back the ball to they pitch it. So 14 seconds with no runners on base, um, 18 seconds with a runner on base, unless you're obviously throwing over another, another base, and nine seconds for the batter to get back into the box between pitches. Uh, I know you're not a particularly big fan of this. I'm not really either. So wh- wh- what are your thoughts on this uh, this big move for next year? It's about time. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. You are right. <laughs> I know that there's some managers that have been very skeptical. Uh, Tom Vay talked about this out in the Frontier League, that he was not thrilled about this at all. But uh, this is the wave of the future, unfortunately. I think we've got a, our, our old men mentality might be out the window on this one. Yeah, don't we want to sell more beer? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're hurting the chances for revenue. I think and that's what's being missed. So, well, let's see how it goes. You know, they, they want to uh, speed up games. There are some ma- some managers out there would tell you this is this is a lot more exciting. You get right into the action. There's not a lot of wasted time. And and I, you know, I'll be honest with you. When when Ian Gack played for St. Paul and, and Lincoln the year before that, his, his ritual of stepping out of the box and fixing his braces around his wrist and redoing his gloves and stuff like that. That got a little ridiculous after a while. I was thinking, okay, we we could shorten this down, but I I guess, you know, these batters get used to a certain routine and they're going to have to change and adjust to that too. From watching games in St. Paul last summer, after a while you you didn't really even notice the, the clock there because I think the guys did make the adjustments and – it was pretty seamless, so I think you'll you'll also see it um, see that be the case with the American Association in 2023. 
Also out there in the Frontier League, uh, reliever of the year chosen by the league, Logan Sawyer, was signed by the St. Louis Cardinals organization. So uh, nice to see him getting a shot out there and, and joining in. So Logan, I guess, also pitched in the Atlantic League for a little bit last season with the Barnstormers before joining the Cardinals. So congratulations to him, getting an opportunity to get back into affiliate ball. Um, Argus, yeah, so um, I don't really see any other exciting news about uh, – um, Atlantic League stuff going on out there, except for they had a, uh, a an interesting uh, letter that they posted. I, I was I don't th this was actually posted a few months ago or something congratulating the league for um, you know bringing in that that Kelsey Whitmore um, to play for Staten Island last season, signed by Rob Manford. You know I, I I'm not a fan of Rob Manford Manford uh, Kevin so. I don't know if I'd be boasting a letter from him. I got to honestly tell you. The only thing I would ever want um, signed by Rob Manford was is a check. <laughs> That's exactly right. So not not a big fan, but not not at all. I think we're going to be waiting around here, Kevin, coming into Thanksgiving time here, and uh, so. But I, I'm gathering that in this, into December we're going to start seeing some real moves out there, especially with teams. You know, wanting to make sure that they're getting those guys because last year we saw that the the pitching depth was was thin very early on, and and teams were struggling to fill spots the last couple of years. And so I'm hoping that this might mean we're going to see a more dynamic December and January than we might have seen in previous years. Well, we can only hope so. Or otherwise, we don't really have a heck of a lot to talk about. So we better have a pretty strong guest list if that is the case. That's right, because. Uh, that that is the better part of the show. The, if you don't want uh, to hear too much from Kevin and I, you need to tell these teams to start coming out and, and filling up spots here. Kevin, Thanksgiving this this Thursday. What, what is that, is that going to be our, our, our talking about our final thought, or are we just going to talk about Thanksgiving and then go into the final thought? Well, that was going to be the final thought today. So. Okay, rock and roll. Let's let's roll with that then. Uh, well, you know, as thanks to our. Um, leadership at the at the top level of the country um things are looking pretty gloomy in the u.s so with thanksgiving coming up i guess it's a time we just that we're just grateful for the little things in life like your family like your health and just be grateful you got a roof over your head and you can make the you can keep paying the bills uh, month to month even as difficult as it may be you know, I, in, in time, things will get better, so I hope. So, you know, everyone, everyone's having a rough go of it right now, either health-wise, family-wise, job-wise. You know, keep your chin up. There's the good Lord has a path for all of us, and we just have to have faith that um, if you keep doing the right things, that good things will happen in the end. Before we head out here today, uh, a special thought Kevin and I would like to give to uh, Dan Vaughn, a broadcaster there for the Kansas City Monarchs. Uh, the team will not be retaining him this year, and uh, we are very saddened by that. Dan has been not only a great guest on the show, but has been a great friend to the two of us, and uh, we are sadly disappointed in the decision by the organization to not bring him back. Dan is truly a class act and an incredible broadcaster, fan favorite, people like you know, his his style of, of 
interacting with fans and keeping them engaged beyond the game itself is, is truly spectacular. And um, I, we don't like the decision whatsoever. And we, we I want to say on Thanksgiving, I'm very thankful for Dan Vaughn and what he has brought to, to Kevin and myself and um, wish him the very best wherever endeavors he ha- winds up heading out from this point, Kevin. You know, we can only hope that there is a spot within the league that will be a good fit for Dan because I think as much as Dan needs to be in the league, I think this league needs to have Dan Vaughn because Dan is not only just a broadcaster for this league, he's also an ambassador, and the guy has a heart of gold. He will do anything for his friends. You know, I live in Minnesota, Dan lives in Texas, and I, as rare as we even get to see each other, I consider Dan to be one of my closer friends, and when I got the news today, it it, it hit me hard. It was almost like a death of the family, and I think the Kansas City Monarchs are making a horrible mistake. I think of all the things... You could go in another direction with down there. I think the last thing was to part with Dan Vaughn because I think Dan got it when it came to the Monarchs association with the actual Kansas City Monarchs. Dan was the one. Nobody told Dan to go and do all this research on the Negro Leagues. Dan could have just put a broadcast out there saying, well, the uh, Monarchs won last night, eight to five. Um, these player moves were made by Joe Calfapietra. Here's the starting lineup for tonight, colored by numbers. Here we go. No, Dan put the time into educating fans on the history of the Kansas City Monarchs. The Monarchs are not just a name; it's a brand, and I really think the. The folks in Kansas City have made this decision. I think they really need to think about what the name Kansas City Monarchs really means because I think they made a dire mistake by parting ways with someone who really, truly gets it when it comes to the tradition of Kansas City Monarchs baseball. And, you know, granted, you know, um, the guys in Kansas City have been good to us, but shame on you. You guys really dropped the ball here. and. You know, for me, it's going to take some repairing for me to really get invested that much in the Kansas City Monarchs like I had. No no offense to Joe Calfapietra and his coaching staff. They're all wonderful people, but I just think they've really made a horrible mistake here. And like I said, I hope uh, there's a spot for Dan somewhere in this league, whether it be this year or when the league expands to Texas like it seems like the plan is going to be that Dan will be a part of it and well frankly it may be better that he'll be closer to home so um, all my best to Dan Vaughn and my thoughts are with you buddy and let's hang in there because baseball needs Dan Vaughn I definitely cannot top that so Kevin and I want to thank Jim Bennett for joining us this week For Kevin Luco, I am Rob Panier. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.